Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crushing Real Estate with Brian Pham, where we interview real estate professionals around the industry. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a very positive review. We release an episode every single Sunday, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Crushing in Real Estate. This week we got Shiv Gitu. Shiv is a superstar in the Bay Area, focusing on Airbnb corporate rentals. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Hey, can you walk us through your background and how you got started? Tell us, tell us, like, tell us about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Shiv. I graduated from the University of Southern California. Um, nice. Some people call it University of Spoiled Children. Nice. Um, I, I wasn't a spoiled child. That's why I got into real estate to, <laughs> to make some passive income. Um, but studied uh, industrial and systems engineering, graduated in 2017. Nice. Um, soon after graduating, I... I, I took a job in consulting, so I did some technology consulting, and I kind of got interested in real estate uh, very soon after graduating. I think the idea was I didn't want to rely on one source of income to mm-hmm. to live, right? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, people talk about this whole concept of job security and how having one job is 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 secure, but the reality is you're still hedging all your bets on one source of income. Definitely. And right. I think, you know, right. yeah. You're definitely right about that point, man. Yeah. And I think as a person, I, I kind of edge towards being more risk averse um, and always figuring out how I can like create a more anti-fragile situation. Anti-fragile, I don't think technically is a word, but it, uh, it's mm-hmm. by this author called Nassim uh, Nicholas Talib. It's a great mm-hmm. book. I recommend it. But yeah, I, um, you know, decided that I wanted to find another source of income. Mm-hmm. And I started looking into long-term rentals. Um, I started looking at uh, Atlanta and uh, Nashville and some of the Southeast markets, mm-hmm. looking at doing some buy and hold. I think we soon discovered that it it wasn't really going to work for us. Uh, you know, it was long distance. I, I had just graduated, so I didn't have that much cash saved up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't really producing the numbers that I thought was going to get me to this alternative source of income and eventually you know, get off my job, right? It, it was kind of a longer path. I, I didn't, I didn't see much merit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, in the, in the first stage of, of any pursuit, you're constantly learning, right? Mm-hmm. So we spent, when I say we, uh, my business partner, Kendrick, a friend of mine from USC as well. Mm-hmm. He, um, I kind of asked him if he wanted to do this with me. I knew I didn't necessarily want to do it alone because mm-hmm. I was working full time. And, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, two minds are better than one. So um, <clears throat> we started, just reading everything we could. And we came across this article by uh, Paul Moore, who's a good friend of ours now. He wrote an article um, that talked about this guy called Jay Martin, who's also a good friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And he talks about building this, you know, cash flow rental arbitrage business where you have, you know, a virtual team and, and Jay Martin was traveling the world. And I was like, so amazed by this whole situation and how he was making $10,000 a month passively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this time I was, I was not making that much with my normal job and this guy was doing it, traveling the world. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, my mind was blown and I, I just dove into it and started understanding about what corporate rentals were and rental arbitrage and Airbnb, mm-hmm. um, and just really immersed myself into it. And, um, what is this? This is around November, 2019. We got our first unit mm-hmm. and yeah, we took, we took it from there. That's awesome, man. I think Sorry, not November 2019, November 2018. 
Gotcha. Wow, I think you brought up some really good points, man. I think one really good point you brought up is that you should never depend on one source of income. I absolutely agree at that point. I think it's super risky because now, you know, you're if something goes wrong, that's it. You know? Exactly. There's no safety net. And we live in a new generation now where, you know, in my personal opinion that, you know, company loyalty doesn't really exist anymore. You know? We live in a generation there where we look for a new job every two, three years, you know? And we also live in a generation that we do want to pursue our passion and our dreams. So having multiple sources of income via real estate or anything else is super vital for our own personal happiness, you know? And being there for to take care of family and future kids in the future it all depends on everything that you decide to do today. And the fact that you started at such a young age is absolutely amazing, man. Like that mindset shift you have is it's amazing. For me, when I graduated college, I just wanted to party. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. Um but you went in a different direction, so props. That's up to you, man. So yeah, thank would, you. Yeah, let's let's hop right into your first um, Airbnb deal. How'd you find it? How'd you vet for it? What kind of numbers are you looking at? Totally, yeah. So we we uh, you know started talking to uh, anyone we knew who was doing this, right? We obviously first re- reached reached out to Jay Martin and picked his brain and and figured out a few other guys who were in this space, um, Al Williamson, Ethan Cook, a few other guys mm-hmm. um, that are now, you know, good friends of ours. And mm-hmm. um, we tried to get a perspective on first, how do you find your your first unit, right? How mm-hmm. do you find it? How do you analyze it to make sure that the numbers meet what you're looking for? Um, mm-hmm. And I think we had a very unique approach. So I like to call the first you know, three to six months of any pursuit that you're that you're doing, like the incubation period, right? Where you're mm-hmm. sitting in this and, and trying to pursue something where you may or may not have previous knowledge, but your goal should be to absorb as much knowledge as you can mm-hmm. obsessively, right? Mm-hmm. And the key, I think, is when you're in this incubation period, you have to make sure that you get out of it eventually too. I think what happens mm-hmm. oftentimes is people get stuck in this period and, and get into analysis paralysis, right? And I did engineering, my, my business partner did engineering. So we were more prone to, you know, really just analyzing, 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 staying in this analysis period and not moving forward with action. So mm-hmm. um, we, we got into this incubation period, just doing tons of research and, and also expanding our network, right? Mm-hmm. So I reached out to pretty much everyone I knew who did real estate or owned real estate and asked them to connect me to someone further. So I just kept going down the chain um, and eventually got connected to um, a real estate investor who owned quite a bit of real estate in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And we we slowly built this relationship with him, communicated what we wanted to do, our idea, um, our aspiration. And uh, he was kind enough to give us one of his units to try out our idea. That's awesome. So we, yeah, <laughs> we, signed, we signed a lease with him um, for, one, for one year. Uh, put down security deposit, um, first month's rent, and um, and just went with it. And I think from an analysis perspective, we we spoke to a lot of people. Um, there's a bunch of tools out there, depending on what, what you're doing. We took a, a corporate rental. So we defined corporate rentals as anything that's 30 days or more. Uh, short-term rental, we define as you know anything that's less than 30 days. Mm-hmm. It really depends on um, the regulation in your municipality. So we were targeting a municipality that had a 30-plus day regulation. Mm-hmm. So we were looking at um, Redwood City um, 
and and chose it, chose it for our first corporate rental. Um, we had spoken to a lot of other people who had units there to understand the profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anyone is looking to understand profitability for short-term rentals, I would use AirDNA. AirDNA is a good tool. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to people who are already operating that area. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we we chose uh, Redwood City. We chose 30 plus days and um, mm-hmm. we we actually did not have that good of an experience starting out. We, um, we started in December, November and December, which is, you know, typically the worst month, uh, worst season. And, um, we, we chose a unit and the unit we chose was not, it was in a good area, but it wasn't a good building. It was a B C plus, you know, C building, but mm-hmm. you know, logically we should have understood that corporate rentals that, 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 that wouldn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we still decided to go with it. And, you know, f- the first night I was like, okay, yeah, I was really excited. I want to get the whole experience. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let me, uh, sleep in this, in this Airbnb. <laughs> of course I didn't have, I didn't have furniture. I didn't have a nice. pillow. I, I was just like, I'm going to stay here and sleep and just like somehow experience the experience that we're going to be providing. Yeah. Uh, and I slept in the unit and I suddenly started noticing that there was like things crawling on me. And I like looked around and saw that there's just a bunch of cockroaches uh, oh, in the unit, right. which obviously <laughs> will not work as a corporate rental or any hospitality service. So we, uh, you know, we talked to the property manager and we told him that, you know, this, this unfortunately won't work out for us. So that was our first unit. Um, we, we didn't sign, we didn't, we didn't, we, we didn't uh, make any money off it. And we, we obviously didn't screen hard enough. So mm-hmm. um, the second unit, we were more cautious. We chose, <clears throat> the area was fine, but we chose a better building. Mm-hmm. Um, and still we were, we were losing a little bit of money in the first few months, uh, just because it was, um, the first few, the first few months of the worst season. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. Again, that's an awesome story. You have to experience the unit for yourself to you know what kind of service you're providing. That's, a, that's an awesome tip, man. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly, like, even I never really thought of that, you know, it's like, oh, wow. That you bring a really good point. You just sleep into one of your Airbnb units to see if you like it, so you provide the best service. That makes a lot of sense. And I really yeah, like the exactly. fact that you reached out to anyone and everyone you get, you can reach out to. That's big. You know, that's a big part of any successful real estate investor that I interview in the podcast. You know, I, one thing I learned talking to people is like, you don't ask, you never get. You know, it's just you never. Totally. never and you realize that the more real estate investors you meet, they're actually really generous people that are willing to share their knowledge with you. And there's nothing. Totally, to- yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, one of the, this might be a tangential story, but mm-hmm. the way I got my first job out of college was mm-hmm. I had contact, I went to a career event and, and, you know, immediately after the presentation, I con- I went to the presenters and talked to them about, the company and ask them tons of questions mm-hmm. and then ask them to connect me to more people so I can learn more mm-hmm. and, and et cetera. Ask the, those people to connect me to more people. And I had talked to so many people within the company that mm-hmm. when it actually came down to my first interview, mm-hmm. one of the guys I had talked to was, was my interviewer. So when I had met him, we had already had a few conversations. He was like, I don't even need to interview you. Like I already know you. And we started <laughs> discussing other candidates. That's so awesome. I think the, 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 the short story is like, you gain a lot of value by just expanding your network and being obsessive yeah. about talking to people and reaching out to people because you just increase your probability of something positive happening. Awesome. It's also putting yourself out there, you know, you mm-hmm. put yourself out there. Amazing things happen. I and agree. Yeah. 
I love the fact that you're very obsessive too. I think that's also a common trait among ultra successful people. So you have to be really like neck deep into what you do to really understand the industry that well. Right. Yeah. And I guess I have a couple of questions. So regarding the corporate Airbnb rentals, um, I know how do you convince the building owner that you want to do Airbnb in there? I think that's a common question I hear among people who want to start like Airbnb like arbitrage. It's like how do you how do you convince people to do Airbnb Airbnb inside the building that doesn't belong to you? Right. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it, it, and again, this is this is going back to. There are a mul- there are multiple ways to do it, right? The, mm-hmm. the approach we took initially was first build a relationship with someone mm-hmm. and then approach them for what you need, right? Some people, what they do is, and we, we employed all these techniques, right? This is one technique. Another technique is just funneling it, right? So calling a hundred people, you know, hoping to convince 50, you know, talking um, a final conversation with 10 and then one person saying, okay, let's do it. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that the general message you want to communicate is all the benefits that you actually provide mm-hmm. being a corporate renter or, or having, you know, this, this, uh, this business, Airbnb business, right? Mm-hmm. Some of the benefits that you provide to a landlord are if you're going to be doing short-term rentals, you're running a hospitality company, right? So the unit has to be much better than a long-term renter would, would, uh, would take care of it, right? Like if you're renting to a long-term tenant, you may, they may break something. You may not even know. They may not report it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for us, when we're running this hospitality company, we have to make sure that on every turn, we're cleaning the place, remember, 100, almost 100 times a year for some of our short-term rental units. We have to make sure that everything looks good and mm-hmm. is operating and, and, and works and functional and nothing's damaged because mm-hmm. we're a hospitality company. So we actually take care of properties a lot better than long-term tenants would because we have a brand to uphold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think selling that aspect and communicating how much effort you actually put into making sure the property uh, is, is, is better than where, when you got it um, mm-hmm. is key, of course. You know, uh, the other upside is that it's guaranteed rent, right? You mm-hmm. know, where we've understood the business model, we understand that we're going to make money off this. So all the landlord has to do is sit back and collect rent. You don't have to oftentimes deal with faulty tenants or defaulting tenants and evict them and et cetera, right? If we're not making money, we'll leave. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we have a guaranteed rent procedure um, mm-hmm. where we guarantee the tenant rent, right? The third, the third benefit is um, we're often taking care of small issues, right? Since mm-hmm. we're a hospitality company, if we have a small issue, we're not going to reach out to the landlord or property manager to get them to resolve it because we don't have that ability to wait 24, 48, 72 hours, right? We need to act fast. So a lot of small issues we take care of. So property managers actually love working with us mm-hmm. because we're taking care of their business. We're doing a lot of their work, right? We're taking care of a lot of the small issues. Um, so when you're master leasing, these are some of the benefits that you can sell to a landlord. Of course, there's the other business model where you're um, you know, doing co-hosting or, mm-hmm. or managing, managing for a management, management fee. Yeah, those, those are really good advice, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Regarding the rules and regulations, I know some parts of the Bay Area won't allow you to rent out your Airbnb for more than four months a year, unless you're like the primary resident of the of the of that property. So, how do you overcome that challenge? 
Yeah. So in in areas, uh, the way regulations work typically is it's mm-hmm. it's city by city or municipality by municipality based, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in areas that have a 30 plus day regulation, mm-hmm. um, what they do, another way to say what you said is they only allow renting for 30 plus days or more. Or mm-hmm. if they have some sort of cap, they'll say maybe 120 days or four months out of the year, you're allowed mm-hmm. to do short term rentals, right? Mm-hmm. So what we do is in, in those situations, we have uh, 30 plus day rentals, right? Where we're renting the place for a minimum of 30 days. And when you're doing that, you're, you're, you're basically like a, a long-term renter. You you fall under the same uh, municipality protocol as a long-term renter would, right? So you, that's a way to get out of the regulation. So you have to look for areas that have strong corporate needs um, or, you know, families that need to relocate, et cetera. So in those markets, we do 30 days or more. Okay, that's awesome. And how would our listeners do their due diligence like, how would they look for these kind of rules and regulations? Is it on the website or do you just Google or straight to the city? How do you yeah, that's a great question. So I, I've, I've, I have some advice. So the first thing you can do is go on Google, type in the city name and type in short-term rental regulations, right? Mm-hmm. You may be directed to the government website or the city website. Um, and they may or may not have information about the regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, since government, you know, tech tends to lean towards the slower side of moving um, things. What I would do to double check is call the city, call the city, talk to the planning department and ask them if they're considering any short-term rental regulations uh, in the future. Because the reason why you want to be careful is let's say, you know, it's February right now, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you want to sign a master lease for a property in the next few weeks. Um, and you go on the website and you don't see any regulations, you assume that there's no regulations, right? But mm-hmm. sometimes what happens is cities are having talks about it. They're, mm-hmm. they're talking about it and they may put in a regulation in six or seven months. So if they do that, you don't want to go and sign a lease and then have to deal with, with regulations um, that are impending. So you want to call the city and figure out what's on their roadmap, whether they're having any regulations or not. Um, another thing that we do to kind of um, deal with this issue is in our lease agreements, we put in a little addendum that says if there are regu- regulations that come up, we're allowed to break, break the lease. That's awesome. Um, just letting, letting the landlord know. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't, we don't want, they, they don't want us to operate illegally. And mm-hmm. We don't want to either. Yeah. That's, that's a great tip for our listeners. Um, do you have any funny stories being an Airbnb corporate rental person? Like any, what's, what's the best, tenant you had and what's the worst one you had so far yeah <laughs> um the, the best tenants the best tenants are actually surprisingly um surprisingly interns so so in the summer we get a lot of interns mm-hmm. um that are booking our places and i think it's a function of them just being you know new to the area young they're just they're a, a lot of the times very respectful you know they're very respectful they um they pretty much know how to do everything themselves. They don't have a lot of questions. So they kind of deal with everything themselves. Um, so they're, they're very, very good to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, the worst story is uh, we don't have that many stories actually that are, that are too bad. Um, That's also awesome. some stories. <laughs> yeah. We've had some stories where people, um, you know, this one guy checked in and basically just like checked in and within an hour, 
said, I want all my money back. Like, this is not what we thought. Uh And I was like, okay, well, I mean, we have all the pictures. We have good reviews. Like everything is transparent. He's like, no, I don't like the place. I need my money back. And then I was like, okay, like, you know, and then before we, before we could even respond, he like left the place. He's like, I'm going to write you guys a terrible review. And he ended up writing this review saying like, oh, and I think he was just upset because he actually wanted to cancel because of some reason that he had, Uh but tried to get a refund from us um, and and wrote this review saying, uh, I, I, you know, I, I would sue these, this company if I could, this is just (laughs) terrible. You can do this, that, the, the white, the walls were like gray when they said white and <sighs> just all these like store or like not even gray, but he said it was, it wasn't the right white and all, you know, just ridiculous oh stuff. God. So you deal with, you deal with eccentricities like that. But I think, you know, more or less, I'm very surprised that mm-hmm. people are tech, people are t- uh, tend to lean towards being very polite. Um, you, you have a lot of good guests and a lot of people that are, you know, just coming for a short period of time and. And are very respectful of the place. Awesome. It also depends on the area you choose to, your Airbnb rentals too. I mean, right. I'm pretty sure you right. choose the best area, so you're inviting great guests. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would be a different story. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, man. So what are your long-term and short-term real estate goals? Yeah. So um I yeah, I think goals are super important, right? Um, I think you know, when Kendrick and I started this journey in 2018, towards the end of 2018, we sat mm-hmm. down, we have this annual meeting that we do where we just go to a golf club um we're not members of the golf club we kind of just walk in and <laughs> find a cool seat and you know act like it's like this professional annual uh annual meeting and we, and we discuss what we're going to be doing for the next year mm-hmm. right um and we 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 create these uh smart goals so very specific measurable um what is it accountable realistic time bound um goals and, you know, one of our goals was get to 20 units by the end of 2019. Um, fortunately, we achieved that. I think moving forward, our goal for 2020 is, is very ambitious. So we actually raised a round of funding from a few investors. That was um, very ambitious. So we went, yeah, so we went the venture capital route. And so we, we, we stopped doing this as a side hustle. So for the, for the long, most, uh, for, for the majority of this, we were doing this on the side. So up until about September of last year of 2019, we got to about 20 units, but we were doing all this on the side. So we were moonlighting in the evenings, over the weekends, pretty much just making time um, wherever we could. And once we raised money uh, from investors, we decided to transition full-time to be working in our business um, mm-hmm. as employees and, and, and exited, our, uh, exited our previous jobs. Awesome. What so did you our goal. say about you exiting the engineering field to do real estate full time? <laughs> no, that's a good question. Uh, my <laughs> parents are, I'm Indian. So, you know, they, they um, were, they weren't. So again, I was pretty strategic about this, right? So mm-hmm. what I did was I wanted to make sure that my parents understood what we were doing, right? Because if I were to approach them and say, you know, I'm doing this business. I'm going to quit my job and leave this, uh, you know, career that could have been, uh, you know, successful, uh-huh. um, and, 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 and venture out and do my own business. Right. I think there would have been more pushback. Mm-hmm. The approach I took was, okay, again, similar to the way we work with our landlords is building relationships. Right. So I, I introduced them to what we were doing very early on mm-hmm. and I asked for their advice. I got help. Um, and I made sure that they understood what we were doing and saw the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they saw the opportunity, I think they understood that, it, it, you know, it would be a net positive decision. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I approached it that way rather than just going to them and suddenly saying, I'm doing this. <sighs> I brought them along on the journey, introduced yeah. them to the opportunity, mm-hmm. made sure they realized that this would be a net positive decision and then took action accordingly. Awesome, man. That's, that's a great approach. <laughs> I remember two years ago when I told my parents I quit my job and they're like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> totally freaked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't, which is natural. Yeah, I didn't follow your strategy. I never warned warned them up to that, that idea. I just kind of did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. Hey, um. So, what is your biggest source of motivation? It's a good question. Um, right now, I'm very motivated by creating opportunity. So, I think. So what what I mean by that is. I, I, so I started on this journey with the with with building another source of income, right? But mm-hmm. it's not really about building another source of income. It's really about building the opportunity um, of time, the mm-hmm. opportunity to do what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now my motivation is becoming becoming. At first, my motivation was becoming financially independent, right? Mm-hmm. You know, creating this business, creating a passive income stream. And then maybe quitting my job and then kind of figuring it out. But when we reached to that point at the end of 2019, where we were in a position to, you know, we had automated our business pretty much, we could have just quit and traveled the world. I think I, I, I wasn't gravitated towards that. I think I've always been someone who's driven by just just the, the journey, right? Um, I don't look at things necessarily as, as I want to accomplish this goal. And once I do, I'm going to be satisfied. I think I'm more or less obsessed with the desire of, of working and, and building something and mm-hmm. the journey towards getting where getting somewhere. So I think I'm just excited about, about the journey, um, working awesome. hard, staying, mm-hmm. staying humble, um, and, and just building this business, but, mm-hmm. but being inspired by, by the process rather than the end result. Of course, man, that's a great mentality to have, you know, it's sometimes all about the journey, not the end goal. Yeah, like, exactly. Cause if you, develop into this person that you always want to be and that's really sad personally satisfying, you know? yeah i think if you can if you can be obsessed about the journey then mm-hmm. you're you're in a much less fragile position because whatever the end result is 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 mm-hmm. irrelevant to you as long as you're working hard on the process mm-hmm. and improving yourself um i think i think you're going to be in a much better position overall definitely i mean definitely agree with that statement hey so what what advice would you give someone just starting out as a, as a real estate investor in the Airbnb corporate space? Yeah, um, I, I alluded to it in the beginning, but just being obsessive about learning, right? Mm-hmm. Taking this incubation period of, you know, define it however you want, right? But the, mm-hmm. the important part is define the period. So let's say you want the first one month or three months to be dedicated to just, just learning, right? So mm-hmm. reading everything you can, mm-hmm. talking to everyone you can, um, a very important tip for people is when you talk to someone, always ask them what, uh, ask them if they can connect you to someone else who they think would be a good connect for you, right? Um, because then you get this never, never ending chain of people that you're constantly getting introduced to. Mm-hmm. So I think um, being obsessive about learning, being obsessive about meeting people, and then at the end of that, being obsessive about drawing a fine line between when you're going to be done learning and taking action, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this in the beginning, but you can just constantly learn and then never take action. And then you're just someone who is all talk, but no walk. So I think we were kind of, we were kind of um, careful to not, not, 
not do that and, and mm -hmm. draw a fine line and mm -hmm. say, okay, at, at this point X, we're just going to go out and get our first unit. Um, so, so setting deadlines for yourself mm -hmm. and then being religious about following them. I love it, man. That's, I can see why you're so successful, man. That's a great mentality. <laughs> hey, if you could redo any part of your real estate career over again, which part would it be? I could redo any part of my real estate career. Mm -hmm. um, that's a good point. Uh, we were so fortunate enough to, to let everything work out the way it did. Um, mm -hmm. It's not that I would wouldn't re redo this. Um, mm -hmm. I think I would. So the funny thing is, we actually don't own any real estate um, mm -hmm. right now. It's all it's all rented, re rent, or we're 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 moving towards more of a management model where we take a management fee from owners and we help owners because there's a lot of landlords out there that mm -hmm. a don't know about short term rentals mm -hmm. or um, corporate rentals and are not understanding the value that these rentals provide. We're we're typically generating you know, 1.5 X or two X long-term rental rates. So we're moving. Yeah. We're moving towards working with a lot more um, homeowners and multifamily owners mm -hmm. to introduce them to this concept and help them manage it. Right. It is a lot of work. We're running a hospitality brand, but mm -hmm. if we can manage it for you, we'll increase the rents and you'll get more money without having to do the work. Mm -hmm. um, so I would, I would, uh, this goes to my, you know, your question about, I would try to buy, buy a little bit earlier. Um, we mm -hmm. still haven't bought and we've been mm -hmm. in the space for about a year or two years. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where we're moving towards in 2020. Our big focus is we're looking to buy around a hundred doors. Um, so Kendrick, my business partner is moving mm -hmm. to the Southeast um, and we're going to be raising nice. money and, mm -hmm. and doing multifamily syndication. But the big twist is we're hybridizing um, multifamily syndication Mm -hmm. and uh, short-term in corporate housing. Mm -hmm. So we're boosting NOI by, you know, 1.4, 1.5X. And when, and, and when you look at that uh, on a large scale for multifamily, um, it, it dramatically uh, affects the exit price and mm -hmm. NOI that you're producing uh, for, for both the investors and, and, you know, the general partners. Love it, man. Great tips, yeah. great tips. Yeah. yeah. What is your favorite book or podcast that you draw inspiration from? Um. There's been a lot of different books at different times. Mm -hmm. I think the one I've mentioned on this podcast already is um, Anti-Fragile mm -hmm. by Nassim Nicholas Thaleb. He's also written Black Swan. Mm -hmm. That book, um, he, so the way he defines anti-fragile is right, when you have something that's fragile, uh, with, with, um, so when you drop it, it'll break, right? It's mm -hmm. susceptible to... Um, to, to, to to being um, uh, damaged, right? When you have something that's robust, when the environment changes, uh, the, the object stays steady state, right? Mm -hmm. But when you have something that is anti-fragile with variation, mm -hmm. the, the object or thing grows and becomes stronger, right? Love so uh, he kind of talks about moving towards creating anti-fragile systems. Mm -hmm. So that kind of means, uh, you know, one example I try to practice is like, if you're focusing on the process, regardless of the environmental conditions, you're going to focus on the process so you're going to grow, right? So I think uh, that book's taught me a lot about um, mindset, which it, it, it's not supposed to teach you that directly, but I think <laughs> anti, it just talks about um, how, to, how, to, how to make situations 
um, and grow from them in a very, in a very indirect way. That's, that's, yeah, yeah I recommend it. It's a little bit technical and heavy, but mm-hmm. um, it's a great read. Definitely. I'll, I'll add that to my list after this, man. Appreciate that. Hey, so how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you? Yeah. So, um, you could always email me at shiv, shiv at experienceastro.com. That's mm-hmm. S H I V at, um, you know, experienceastro.com. I think Brian will put it in the show notes mm-hmm. and, um, you guys can also get us at experienceastro.com. Um, and yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, man. Super yeah, totally. to have you on the podcast. Appreciate that. Totally. Thanks for having me. No problem, man. Thank you.